Hello and welcome to episode 272 of the Bad Wolf Podcast. I'm Martin and this week I was very, very fortunate to talk to Jody Hauser. Now Jody is a legend in the comic book industry. She's written for Batman for DC. She's made Stranger Things comics and of course Doctor Who comics. She joined me this week to talk about a new Doctor Who comic, Empire of the Wolf. Let's just jump straight into it. Okay, so I'm now joined by Jody Hauser. Jody, thank you so much for joining me today. I know there's been a bit of confusion about our times and stuff. So I'm so uh, grateful that you're here <laughs> and that you've bared with me. Uh, how how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm awake. It is uh, 10.30 a.m. where I am. So, uh, and I know it's evening over there. Uh, yeah. So I know it's a bit of a confusion about uh, what time it is, what's going on, where everyone is. <laughs> uh, so uh, you're here to talk about your new range of Doctor Who comics. So I mm -hmm. guess I'll start by asking, how did you become involved in, in writing? Because you've written for so many tie-in media projects. I mean, what made you want to write for comic books? Uh, well, comics specifically uh, was a bit of a happy accident. I had been doing web comics for years, just little my own little cartoons with terrible drawings. Um, and that was more of a getting myself on the habit of writing something weekly that was immediately being put in front of an audience because I just thought that was a good exercise. It was, you know, good uh, work and discipline and working under a deadline when I didn't have any other official deadlines. Uh, and I just got in the habit of doing that and did that for close to 10 years. And it ended up being how I first got pro badges to conventions and started going to conventions and meeting comic creators. Um, and then I had the chance to pitch for a few anthologies that were being funded on Kickstarter. And so I actually got to work with real artists who could actually draw things and not use like the same art of an inanimate object ad nauseum week after week. And that was just such a great experience. And, you know, I read comics since I was a kid. I, I loved the medium and writing them hadn't really connected for me in a way because I went to grad school for writing, got my MFA, studied lots of types of writing, but they didn't have any classes in comics. So that was the thing I sort of had to seek out and learn to write on my own. And uh, yeah, just sort of snowballed from there. The anthologies uh, went really well. I got to work with an artist named Fiona Staples on one of them right before Saga took off. So then editors actually wanted to read my early work because they knew the artists who worked on it. I ended up getting anthology work from DC and Marvel and then single issues and then miniseries and so on and so forth. So, um, but yeah, it was really just getting to work with artists and the collaboration element of comics is great because it is you are working with a team, but it's not, say, a movie production where you have hundreds of people. It's a very small sort of concentrated group that gets to have the creative control. So what's the collaborative process like between you and the artists and the editors? Uh, for a book like Doctor Who, which is licensed, you also you also have to deal with the licensor, which in this case is obviously the BBC. So the editor is kind of like the linchpin for everything. They're sort of the central communication point. So, you know, I send them the script. They send the script to the BBC. We get any notes needed, but everything goes through the editor. And the same thing with the art and the colors coming in. And we do talk to each other 
you know, sometimes outside of that structure, if uh, a colorist has a quick question about, uh, you forgot to include the time of day in the script, uh, what color should the sky be? You know, that sort of thing, they know they can reach out. But for anything really sort of bigger or important questions, everything gets funneled through the editor. And so that makes sure there's a, you know, one person who is overseeing everything, making sure everyone hits their deadlines, making sure everyone's on the same page. And uh, it, it definitely helps with a book like this, where we are answering to a higher authority, the person who, or the company who owns the characters. Yeah. So what's it, what's it been like with the pandemic? Uh, has your life changed much in terms of work? Uh, yes and no, because in a sense, I was already working from home as a freelance writer, but uh, working from home for me meant writing not at home as much as possible. So, you know, setting up writing dates with friends and going to coffee shops or a park and just being outside of my own space as much as possible. And then I stopped being able to do that. So I had to get better at sitting at my own desk and getting my work done, uh, which was, you know, a minor frustration among all the horrible things going on around the world. But, you know, still, it's still a very... Uh, it's a big adjustment to make when you're used to having the freedom if your space isn't working for you to go find another one and not being able to do that is a, is a change. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So what can you tell us about this new range of comics? Uh, well, the new range that's coming out, the uh, Empire of the Wolf is uh, a fun. I, I, I've been doing a lot of doctor mix up stories and a lot. It's mostly been 10 and 13 working together. But we're changing things up and doing eight because it's, you know, his big anniversary, but then also 11. And the thinking behind that for me was this is at its heart a Rose Tyler story. And I wanted to have the doctor before Rose, excluding the war doctor who met a version of Rose. So, you know, <laughs> we'll just skip over that. And then 11, the doctor right after Rose. So it's the two doctors that Rose herself hasn't met, but are the closest to knowing her. Uh, and it, it's a fun one because I feel like 10 and 13 got along really well, but uh, both 11 and 8 are coming in at points where they've just lost their companions. And for 11, we sort of saw where he ended up after that. So he's not in a great place and he's suddenly being faced with his old companion and the doctor from before the time war who isn't carrying as much baggage as him. And he doesn't maybe handle it as well as he would have oh, at another point. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's going to be a little bit of tension there. And of course there's actually more than one Rose Tyler because, uh, a previous story arc alternating currents ended up with a revolutionary Rose Tyler who had lost her world and the doctor gave her a new one to help liberate. So we sort of get to see what happened with that Rose as well. That was such a great storyline. I really love that one, but yeah, Empire of the Wolf yeah. is the one that's got me really excited because yeah, like you said, we've we've seen ten and thirteen together in the comics, and it's just so interesting to put McGann's Doctor with Matt Smith's. Are there any other Doctors you would like to to write for at some point? Um, I haven't written nine, and that was uh, eight was technically my first Doctor because I did see the movie when it aired in the U.S. Uh, in the nineties. But nine was the Doctor when I really just fell in love with the show. Uh, you know, and of course I've gone back and watched, uh, the classic doctors, but I feel like nine is such a starting point for both me and a lot of people, especially on this side of the pond. So I think that would be a really fun doctor to tackle. So was Paul McGann your first doctor? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. I've got a friend 
whose first doctor was Paul McGann. And you're, you're kind of an exclusive club. There's not many that have McGann as their first. Yeah, I feel I feel like it makes me like a little cool and mysterious or something, you know, like, oh, you came in at a weird place. Um, And, you know, I I, even as a kid, I was like, I don't know if this is necessarily a good movie, but I really like this doctor character. He's really like weird and cool and mysterious. So he has a cool jacket. I I was very into jackets. I'm still into jackets, obviously. Yeah, that's a nice jacket you've got on now. Uh, not not that not that podcast viewers can see it. <laughs> so I was just wondering what what's your main inspiration? Where where I hate it when people say where'd you get your ideas from, but what inspires you? Who influences your work? Um, I think in terms of licensed books, because uh, you know, because it really does vary. If you're doing original creations, it is sort of a where did you get your ideas? But when you're working. Uh, with a property like Doctor Who, a lot of it comes down to, well, here are the puzzle pieces I have to work with and just sort of going back and really delving into if it's a doctor, those versions of the doctor, uh, if it's a companion sort of looking at their path and, uh, you know, what their trajectory was. Uh, But really just sort of pulling inspiration from the characters themselves, because at the end of the day, that's why people are going to be picking up the comics. That's why they love the show. It's the characters and who they are and what they're dealing with. So that's definitely the biggest inspiration for this. And then also for Doctor Who, just coming up with the weirdest, most bonkers ideas I can, having a sort of weird techno babble explanation for why things are happening and making up some pseudoscience jargon, because that's one of the fun things with Doctor who is uh you can sort of get away with almost anything plot wise if you come up with a cool term for it <laughs> so i was a big fan of the time lord victorious range and you've spoken a bit about working with licensees and stuff and this was one where multiple companies were working on a range to make it cohesive i mean what was your experience like working on that I think for me, it was maybe a little bit easier than some others because the Titan comic was really what was kicking off the storyline. So I I had a couple stipulations of like, oh, this shouldn't happen or, you know, we want to focus on this. But for the most part, it wasn't much different than writing any of the other comics. It was very much uh, independent of the event other than, you know, these are the, again, sort of like, these are the characters you're working with and we sort of want it to end here so it can go into the next thing. But I didn't have to worry about anything that was coming before me because there wasn't. That's a good point. Um, so I guess I'll ask, what advice would you give to anybody who wants to write for comic books? I would say, A, read a lot of comics and read a lot of different types of comics because, you know, I think uh, I think less comic fans and more, you know, mainstream media, but a lot of people see comics just as superheroes, but comics is a medium. It can tell any kind of story. So read a wide variety. Uh, and especially if you want to start writing, I would say start with a short story, write a story that's two or three or four pages and see if you can fit a whole story in that space. Because one of the hardest things about comics is working out the pacing and telling a story essentially in freeze frame and what you choose to tell and what you choose to leave out, uh, how you show passage of time. Like a lot of these things, you know, end up becoming more intuitive the longer you go on. But getting your start writing really short stories where you're really constrained with the number of panels and the amount of space, that's going to really get your feet wet in the right sort of way as you're starting out. 
So. My son would never forgive me if I didn't ask you this question. He's a big fan <laughs> of the work you did on the Stranger Things comics. Oh, so yes. He just wanted me to ask you what it was like working on those. Uh, it actually wasn't too different than working on Doctor Who, especially the 13th com Doctor, because uh, both of them are shows that are ongoing. So we had to worry about, you know, not stepping on the feet of what was coming up in the show, because obviously that's sort of the primary uh, source of the story. But um, Stranger Things was a lot of fun because we sort of got to delve more into what was going on in the lab in a couple series. And we've got to do stuff that took place off screen, like Dustin going to summer camp. So a lot uh, in Stranger Things, especially a lot of it's trying to find the places where the TV show can't or didn't cover the story and finding the stories that are in there that aren't necessarily changing what we know about the characters but giving us a deeper glimpse into these moments that weren't on screen yeah it was the dustin at summer camp that he really loved, he loved <laughs> Great. I, that was a really fun story to write so do you find that working in comics gives you a freedom that you don't necessarily get with any other medium um, well, I mean, it's, it's right now it's the primary medium I'm working in. Um, I think it does in a sense that, uh, say again, for screenwriting, there's a much smaller collaborative pool, but as opposed to, you know, if I was off on my own writing fiction, you don't have the input from others that can sort of really jumpstart the creative juices. So I think it is a really, I don't know if it's necessarily more freedom, but I find it a really good balance of, uh, collaborative, but not excessively collaborative and also comics works on a much tighter time frame than almost all other mediums like you can write a novel and it won't hit bookstores for several years because of the way publishing works but comics you can write a comic and it can be on store shelves in you know three months yeah hopefully you're not working on that tight of a timetable but i have before when uh, projects were late getting started so, yeah, it's you get things into audience hands a lot faster. And I think that's really sort of gratifying in a way that you're still closer to the material when it comes out and when yeah. audiences are reading and reacting to it. As a writer, do you ever stop rewriting? I mean, how good are you at just being like, I'm happy with this. I can let that go. Uh, deadlines are the, the, the great solution for that. Uh, <laughs> and also you, you sort of have to keep in mind that, uh, I think it's the variation on the saying, but perfect is the enemy of complete. Like if oh, you're trying to get it perfect, it'll never be done. Uh, com comics and especially monthly comics is very much about good enough. You know, it, it's, and you know, any piece of art is probably, I mean, it's not, it never is going to be perfect because we're, we're fallible human mistake machines, but uh, again, if it's if it has to be at the printers at a certain day, there's a point you have to stop working. And if you're the writer, you're at the top of the order. So the longer you take with it, the less time your collaborators have. So it isn't even just about meeting deadlines to get it into people's hands. It's about meeting deadlines to make sure that your fellow storytellers have enough time to tell their part of the story. Yeah. I'd just like to take you back in time, if I may. Can you remember mm -hmm. the exact moment you decided you wanted to be a storyteller? Uh, I, I actually can. I had actually started writing uh, stuff when I was seven. And I remember if, if anyone's read Roald Dahl's The Witches, I wanted to write a sequel to that with a new oh, kid fantastic. who just happened to be a little girl, uh, but also had a really cool grandmother because that was, the grandmother in The Witches is still one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, and, and even as a seven-year-old, I was kind of like, 
maybe I need permission from someone to write this book. I didn't know what fan fiction was. I didn't realize I was basically writing fanfic. Uh, but so when I was seven was when I started writing stories. And then uh, when I was eight, so third grade over here, uh, my teacher on one of our first like journal assignments was like, oh, you're a very good writer. And I was like, oh, no one told me I was good at something before. I guess I should do that when I grow up. So yeah, it was at the very beginning of third grade. Wow. Uh, so it'd be like the like September when I was eight years old. <laughs> it was uh yeah, I'm like, oh I'm gonna I guess I'll be a writer when I grow up. And um I never really changed, I never found anything I wanted to do more than writing. So as I just went through school and went through college and grad school, all focused on writing. And uh luckily it's worked out. I mean, it's my full-time job now. So yeah, that's amazing uh, that's that you you had that drive and ambition at eight years old and you knew what you wanted to do and you've succeeded. It's amazing. Thank you. Jody. I have taken up enough of your time. I can't express to you how grateful I am for you giving me this time today. So I'm going to let you go, but thanks for joining me. I'm really looking forward to reading this book and I'm such a massive fan of yours as, as is my son. Um, (laughs) So yeah, please keep writing and we'll keep reading. Well, thank you. And please tell your son I said hello. I will do. I will do. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. How great was that? Thanks to Jody for her time. Empire of the Wolf is available from Titan Comics from the 17th of November. <laughs>